Yo, I started watching uh, Harry Potter. First time in my well, life. The movies are okay, but the books are better, straight up. I'm not done. Don't tell me. Well, Reagan does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me a spoiler alert on books that are like 10 years old? <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm saying like the books are better, but I can't pretend like I've read all the books. I'm only like 75% done, I guess. Oh. Do you ever intend to finish the last 25%? I should. Like, uh, she told me like six Christmases ago, I want you to read all the Harry Potters, and then I just told myself I'll do a book a year. <laughs> and it never happened. Have you? Eh? No, no, I do a book a year. Literally. Oh, <laughs> impressive. Yeah, yeah. Read in January binge. and then get out of the way. Yeah, I usually binge at some point in the year. I'll read like most of the book, if not all, and then I just don't tell her that I finished it. And then she's like, did you read the book? I'm like, oh, and then I just tell her at the end. I'm like, yeah, I read it like back in like March. <laughs> I was like, give me that quiz right now. I'm ready. This guy's born ready for his Harry Potter quiz. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran. And on the line, the baby daddy, the Iceman himself, Josh Cohen. How you doing? I guess I'm getting more sleep than you nowadays, so I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> Dude, it's been a long 48 hours, man. That's all I can say. And our residential medical expert, the banger in the paint, Rajan Walia, how you feeling? You know what? New year, new me, Peter. It's, I'm a different man, a different analyst. I'm uh, hopefully become a different <laughs> basketball player on the court, too. Are you... Uh... Uh, yeah, do you do New Year's resolutions, Raj? Are you that guy who's like, oh yeah, January 1st, I'm going to start hitting the gym hard, even though we can't hit the gym in Ontario. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I wouldn't say I'm typically like that, but I do like to have a few goals that I write down, and I try to hit those goals. And but why not write them down at any point during the year? Why does it have to be New Year's? It's not New Year's. Like Sometimes I'll do it like middle of january or whatever or even a bit before but i just like to have a goal like a, a three six month goal kind of whatnot and i revise them most of the time i go from running a marathon to a half marathon to just running <laughs> are you just gonna say to just not running at all and sitting on the couch yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to walk into the fridge you know no big deal yeah so can you share with the podcast what your new year's resolution is this time is it a marathon or is it something else i do want to lose some weight um, so that is my resolution. I want to get down to 185 by uh, July 1st. So that's a good like 10 to 15 right pounds for me. I'm like 198, 197. That's easy. Okay. You'll do that easy. Yeah, yeah just so. go on the Josh Cohen diet of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just don't eat. Yeah, Josh Josh is strictly on a haterade diet. Oh, yeah. Yo, yeah you lose a lot of weight that way. Get everything <laughs> off your you chest and your stomach. Uh, Raj, you know that guy, uh, Jeff Cavalier from Athlete X? Yes, you know? sir. Josh the is, goat. Uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. Josh is idle. That guy said, like, he's kind of a freak like Tom Brady in the sense that his, like, cheat meal is a fucking strawberry. <laughs> you can be like that. <laughs> you can have a fruit yeah, as yeah. a cheat meal. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm not even going to set the bar that high because... I'm, I'm going to get nowhere near. Got to set the bar like modestly high. So then when I go just under it, it's at least acceptable. <laughs> yeah, I, think he, well, I watched a video with him where he said for his birthday, his like one cheat item is like a piece of pie. And he never goes past that piece of pie. He has it like, he gets his wife to get it, I guess. 
And he just tells her, like, do not let me eat anything beyond this point. Because he's got, like, muscles on muscles on muscles. It's like muscleception, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's a freaking nature, yeah. man. <laughs> My God. Okay, well, on the topic of New Year's resolutions, guys, I want to start this year off, well, you know, on a good note for these teams. There's been a lot of weird turmoil in the league, you know, weird health and safety protocols, players going down with random injuries. And let's be honest, man, there's a new wave coming in with these younger players as well, right? We're seeing guys like uh, like Desmond Bain popping off recently out of nowhere. Tyrese Halliburton has taken over the reins in Sacramento. I like this new guard. You know, there's a lot of young guys coming up, and unfortunately, we're not hearing... Unfortunately, we're not hearing less of LeBron in year 19 or 20 or 40 or whatever year he's in, but... You know, we'll just have to deal with it for now. So I want us to each go through, maybe pick a specific team, a specific player, a system. You could even talk about the refs or the league. I don't really care. But one thing in the league that, you know, you want to propose a resolution to. Something that they can really focus on. Something that you can improve on with this team or player or whatever you want to talk about. Uh, so Raj, start it up, man. Alright, so I know you talked about this team. This team gets probably way too much publicity, but they are the LA Lakers, and their resolution has to be that Westbrook shouldn't be playing in the last five minutes of any game. Like, that should be their resolution, because he doesn't provide any spacing. He provides poor decision-making. Um, he attacks the rim, and, and he creates some shots for players, but oftentimes, at the end of the game, he has this tunnel vision, so... If the Lakers really do want to improve their team, they better start getting used to not playing Russ in the last four or five minutes of the game. Because uh, that's probably what it's going to be like in the playoffs. Uh, they're going to have to have shooters around LeBron. They're going to have AD back, hopefully. Uh, and I won't be surprised if they make a trade or two. And just how Westbrook was there to help carry them in the regular season, he's going to help carry them for the first three quarters, maybe early parts of the fourth, and then they got to sit his ass down. I think you should have gone further and just said traded him. That should be the resolution, but there's not much out there, obviously, to trade him for. So that's I impossible. Yeah, I don't think it's possible at yeah, this point. That's like Raj losing 50 pounds with his resolution. It's not going to happen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Maybe not within the NBA season time, but I believe in Raj. I think he can get there. But, um, you know. More than you believe in Russell Westbrook? I don't believe Russell Westbrook can, you know, turn around his career and not do the things that he's always done for the last, what is it, 13, 14 years now? You can see why Kevin Durant left. And uh, <laughs> he's he's a mess. I mean, he's always been like this, but now it's worse because he doesn't have the same level of athleticism and he doesn't have his cotton shot anymore at the free throw line where he gets to the elbow and rises up and hits that shot at like 45 plus percent. He's shooting around, you know. 37% or so on that shot now and he's just not the same player and as you mentioned when it comes down to crunch time he's turning the ball over like crazy like I think last game he had like eight turnovers previous games he was averaging six plus and he's having to handle the ball a lot now if 80 not in the mix but it's it's too much just get the ball to LeBron get out of the way isn't he like the best example of a good stats, bad team guy. Like, now when people mention, like, name a player who had, like, crazy stats but played on a bad team, like, I'm thinking Russell Westbrook. Hmm. I still like Kevin Love for that point. You know, when you go for a 30-30 game, I think you take the cake no matter what. Sadiq Bey. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not throw unsolicited shots at Detroit, man. Yeah. That is unnecessary, okay, my friend? Well, they have won their last two games, so I guess he's, uh... Good stats, good team guy for now. <laughs> Yo, they've won, they're two and zero, just like the Lakers in their last two. 
Yeah. Upwards trajectory, guys. You know, it's it's on the come up right now. It is funny though how like LeBron went through that stretch, and I think the Lakers won like two out of eight games or so. It seemed like he was going off for like 37, 10, and eight every single game, and you know they just couldn't win because they just don't have enough behind them, and they just change their team around to bring in a bunch of guys that just don't work with them or are just too old. Like Dwight Howard's not even oh. playing right now. Are you telling me LeBron is the ultimate? Uh, Bad team, good stats guy? No. Did you ever think of that one? <laughs> well, when you've been to the NBA Finals, like, somewhat, like, eight times in the last, like, ten years, like, I, I don't think that you can classify uh, but how many case. But how many times has he won in the Finals, Raj? What's Man, his record in the it, Finals? Making it to the Finals is, hey, hey, new me, right? Remember that. I'm not a LeBron <laughs> hater. You're trying to bait me here, but I'm not falling for that. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that LeBron's definitely not that player, but yeah, I, I really think the Lakers not need to figure it out, and I think ultimately having Westbrook play at the end of the game is not beneficial to their team. It's not beneficial for their offense. It's not beneficial for them eventually if they make the playoffs. So uh, he could be like, hey, you work hard, you play hard for the first forty minutes of a game, forty five minutes of a game max. And that's it. You sit sit down the last three minutes, you're out. And that might be the system they have to go for. He's also a disaster on defense, too. Like Nobody mentions this, but he's been bad on defense for who knows how long. I mean, it's probably been at least like seven plus years that either he just hasn't tried or he just doesn't care. He just doesn't recognize what's going on around him. I mean, there was a game against the Grizzlies recently where John Morant was hunting him in the fourth quarter of that game instead of Melo when they were both on the floor together. And going back to your point about possibly sitting him, it's just they don't have any options right now. I mean, if Kendrick Nunn was back, then maybe you could see him taking his spot if Russell's having a bad game or just isn't trustworthy down the stretch, which is basically every game. Um, but they just don't have a lot of talent around LeBron in order to sit Russell Westbrook. Like, you can't justify sitting him for who's behind him. Austin Reeves. I like Reeves. He's solid, but he's not a point guard. Stanley Johnson. <laughs> no, man. They got a tough decision with yeah. him. It's sort of funny because they have that open roster spot now that they traded away Denzel Valentine um, to the Knicks. And they have the open roster spot. But do you try to keep that roster spot open for when the buyouts happen? Or do you just sign him outright because they need the help? Like, he started last game. They might need to bring him back. And right now, he's not on the team either. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you start uh, bringing in a bunch of scrubs during the summer around LeBron and AD. <laughs> Like, you filled your team with guys like Avery Bradley and Malik Monk. What did you expect was going to happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, what kind of GM work is this? You put everything behind Taylor Horton Tucker thinking he can be your present and your future? When, in reality, what's Taylor Horton Tucker actually good at on the court? Like, does he really excel at anything? Not really. He's a, he's a decent playmaker. He's a decent shooter. Decent slasher. Decent defender. He is not a decent shooter. He's a subpar shooter. One of the worst in the league right now. Yeah, I really thought he could become like an Eric Gordon type where he's just, you know, really big for his position and just take guys off the dribble and just put them through the basket and then be able to hit open threes. But that just hasn't happened. And, you know, one good point that I heard on a different podcast was the Lakers were really ahead of the game in signing these, um, you know, COVID type players like it's 10 day guys they were way ahead of the curve signing these guys in the off season rather than waiting for covid to hit they signed a bunch of these scrubs in the off season they were way ahead of the game from these other teams who are just signing them now 
classic yeah. Lakers just wanting to piss away their money real quick and real early. Yeah, it's pitiful, man. What What do you guys think of this like LeBron at center thing that they've been trying? Because like you said, Josh, they're not playing Dwight Howard. They're not playing DeAndre Jordan. LeBron is effectively the biggest guy on the court at all points of the game. And I'm pretty sure I was, I was watching the game with uh, the Timberwolves, and I think the Timberwolves had like 20 offensive rebounds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is correct. They did have 20 offensive rebounds <laughs> to the Lakers' uh, 24 defensive rebounds, yeah. So it's certainly not ideal having LeBron running your five, but would you rather have Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan out there? Yeah, and uh, I think the other teams are happy to see this happening now, too, because this is going to tire out LeBron come March and April. And if they actually do make the playoffs, which I still don't think they will, but if they happen to make the playoffs, he might be just out of gas by that point, depending on when Davis comes back. You know, LeBron playing 39 minutes like every night right now might put him out of gas by the All-Star break. Yeah. He might have to take February off. And he's guarding the biggest guy in the team, which means he's involved in all the actions in pick and roll. A lot of the time, anyway, unless teams are bringing up the other guy, which when Melo's on the court, they do, obviously. But in the starting five, LeBron's defending a lot of these actions and just a lot of running and a lot of cardio. And over time, 40 <laughs> minutes a game, it's going to be tough. Lots of LeBron cardio is too much, eh? $1 million into your body every year isn't enough to, for you to get a run in. Yeah, it's tough when you got a guy, you know, guys like Steven Adams and bang with them for at least 20 minutes a game. Is that why Nas Reed popped off the other day? Yeah. They somehow still won that game. I mean, they were lucky that the Timberwolves players were out that game because they did not deserve to win that game. Yeah, they should have ran Greg Monroe more. Come on, Coach Finch. What are you thinking? Greg Monroe is like the story of your team for the past two weeks. You're not going to play him? Come on, man. The legend. (laughs) The Moose legend. Yeah, sure. (laughs) All right, man. I, I hate talking about the Lakers. Raj, why did you have to pick such like an annoying team to talk about? It's because it's in your face. Like it's a gimme. It's like the first resolution that everyone has. You know what? I'm letting, I'm warming it up for you guys. Uh yeah, you're right. You don't want to go like too deep, too inside baseball, to so to speak. But I have a feeling Josh is gonna do that. Josh is gonna end up picking like the Orlando Magic or some bullshit to talk about right now. Nope, I'm going to pick the team that I was most wrong about so far this season, which is the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> Atlanta is second in offense right now, and they are now, after yesterday's <laughs> absolute embarrassment of a game where they gave up 150 points, I think, and Anthony Simons went for 43 points, they're uh, 27th in defense, very close to being number 30 in defense. And again, a lot of that is due to, you know, obviously a lot of their players are out right now. They've been hit very hard by COVID. But even before that, when they had most of their roster, their defense was still an absolute joke. And Clint Capella, you can see like there's certain plays that people have posted online where he's just not running back on defense and he's not trying to get into the plays. And obviously Trey Young's an absolute train wreck. Like, he's worse than Westbrook on defense, which is hard to do. And uh, my New Year's resolution for them would just be to find their defensive energy and just try harder because <laughs> they have the roster when healthy. Like, you look at their bench to start the year, you would say, you know, they have, like, maybe the best bench in the NBA. And now you look at them and they're just like, well, some of these guys can't really play. You know, DeLon Wright looks like he's going to be out of the NBA in a year. Gallinari <laughs> looks like he has no legs left. 
And, uh, you know, Capella just has been a, he's been bad this year on defense, even though he puts up stats, but they need to figure it out. We basically expected the Hawks to be the Memphis Grizzlies, right? One superstar point guard, decent two guard behind them, and then just a bunch of like deep, deep players, like deep bench, strong bigs. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they've just pretty much no-showed the entire year. I mean, right now, it doesn't help that Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter are both out. And Bogdan Bogdanovich is out. And Collins. If I'm correct. Yeah, Collins is out with health and safety as well. I mean, what do you, like, those are your three best defenders on the team. And then, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich. So what are you really going to do with your defense? You're kind of boned. Like, as good as of a rim protector as Clint Capella is, I'm not expecting him to run back on D for me. Are you crazy? You mean was. Yeah, you still don't think he's a good help defender in a half-court situation? <sighs> this year, no. I mean, the numbers back that up, too. He's been bad. And, I mean, I don't blame him because all you're getting... You're basically getting the Utah situation where all these guys are getting blown by every single play, and it's just hard to keep up with that for 35 minutes a night. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That's sad, man. Raj, I'm pretty sure you're happy about uh, stone hands here falling <laughs> apart in front of your eyes. Yeah, but it's not on the offensive end, as Josh pointed out. I think it's more defensively. They can't stop anyone. Like, their defense is probably just on the same level of poricity, if that's a word. But they're <laughs> just as porous as Sacramento. Um, and and I think, yeah, and I think ultimately it comes down to uh, Trey Young being really the focal weak point, And then, obviously, injuries, putting in a lot of players that probably wouldn't get the same amount of minutes. Uh, I, I, I do think when healthy, they'll be able to at least string like uh, a mid, mid-NBA mid level defense, like probably somewhere in the 15 mark by year's end if they stay healthy. Uh, the player I'm a bit disappointed in, and it's maybe more on the stat sheet than his play, is just John Collins. Like He's arguably the second option on that team. Um, and last year, obviously, there was a lot of uncertainty about his future. He just hasn't taken that step, that next step, um, and I don't know if it's because the ball's not in his hand enough or, um, if he's just really not being aggressive. I, I haven't watched enough Hawks, but I know that when I look at the box score and I see John Collins, there's a lot of games where he's effective, he's efficient, but he's just not putting up the volume stats that I think, uh, you'd expect from a player like him. Yeah. I think they're caught in a scenario where, you know, you have the superstar player that takes up a ton of usage, but... They have a team around him now that they can run stuff for other people, and a lot of the time they just choose not to. But again, I think it goes back to like their roster just not being intact as well. And they're in a situation where they might not even make the play-in based on how competitive the East is if it continues this way, right? If DeAndre Hunter just doesn't come back, and then they continue to have injury problems throughout the season and don't have their main guys in. I mean, I think they're 11th in the East right now. And there's... Uh, yep. Yeah, and I mean... 12. There's some... 12. Oh, 12, there you go. I mean, there's some teams that are coming up right now that have somewhat easy schedules. Like, look, the Raptors, they have a pretty easy schedule coming up anyway. And they can, you know, really gain some ground um, in being in the play-in or even higher than that, potentially. And uh, they're sort of in the same areas in Knicks right now where they're just sort of stuck in a malaise and a lot of players out. You're not really sure what to expect going forward. It might be kind of troubling that like, earlier in the year, like, literally in the first like, couple of weeks, Trey Young came out and said that 
you know, having gone to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, it's kind of hard for us to get up for these regular season games. You know, you're this is the first time you made it to the playoffs last year. You went far, you know, not taking anything away from you. You got hot at the right time, which is incredible. But you got to understand that this the season is 82 games. Really, you don't make it to the playoffs unless you perform in the first 82. It doesn't really matter. Like, I know there's a common trope where everyone just says that the regular season doesn't matter. Everyone coasts through it, whatever. But you coast if you're good. <laughs> you, know, you don't coast if you're 12th in the in the conference. So it's kind of troubling that, you know, that was his his mindset even starting the year. And then Trey Young had a really slow start of the year. I mean, he's he's obviously playing a lot better now. He dropped 50-something against Portland, which we talked about already. So great, you know, you're dropping your numbers, but you still lost to Portland. Portland without Dame Lillard. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's suspect, to say the least. This Atlanta team is very strange. They look like they're, uh, what's the word? Like disinterested, yeah. Every game, yeah. Every like I, I, I really was gonna mention that point that I feel this Atlanta Hawks team. Like, if they make the playoffs, let's say if they make it as the eighth seed, this will be one of the best eight seeds ever uh, to make it in. Um, in the sense that they just seem like a team that when their backs against the wall, they can play better, and especially because their main weakness is on the defensive end. And as we know, and we talked about with Westbrook, like defense is a lot about effort. It's a lot about just maintaining sustained effort for shot clock, boxing out, getting rebounds, um, playing the right system. And I feel that this team right now is, like you mentioned, they're just coasting. Um, they're not really hitting their high gear. But I, I think eventually, maybe closer to the All-Star game, they're going to look at the standings and be like, hey, like we can't be the 12th seed and expect to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And even if we do make it as the 8th seed, like we don't want to be playing Chicago or Brooklyn. Uh, we'd rather be going in the 4-5 matchup. So I think they will be a team that will be hot in the second half of the season. And I don't think this team is not going to make the playoffs, like barring any major injury. Like, I think they're destined to make the playoffs. They'll just have to turn it up. And they won't be a top four seed, but I think they'll they'll be fine. Yeah, remember last year when Bogdan Bogdanovich couldn't miss a shot in the second half of the season? Like, he was shooting 60% on, like, jumpers. Yeah, but a lot of that was when Trey Young was out, or they just had him run the second unit. So again, going back to the whole you know superstar running the entire offense thing with you know Dallas and Luca, Luca doesn't have the guys around him like Trey does. Like if Luca had these guys, I think maybe he would change his play style a little bit. You would hope, but Trey hasn't really <laughs> done that for the most part. Um, you know, having even even a guy like Reddish, like he's shown a lot when um, all these guys have been out where he was scoring like 30-plus points a game in two of the three games where all the players were out. Yeah, he's got some talent, and Bogdan's the same way. Like, Kevin Herter showed a lot of stuff in the playoffs last year. John Collins can average 20 points easily. He just needs to get other guys involved more often and not just be the guy who either scores or assists on every play. You're, you're telling me Reggie Bullock is not the same player as Cam Reddish? Yeah, yeah, Reggie Bullock, major disappointment this year. (laughs) The fact that Reggie Bullock was counted on to have the ability to be a disappointment is incredible to me. But I digress. All right, let's move on, guys. I think, I think Raj, you you talked about them already. Or Josh, sorry, I I don't remember who said it. But one of you guys talked about the New York Knicks and how pitiful they've been. And I I just want to hammer this point home that last year, Julius Randle was a second-team All-NBA player. 
He was an all-star. This year, Julius Randle might be the biggest chucker I've seen on the court. Doesn't play any defense, which is incredible for a Tom Thibodeau team. And, like, somehow looks like a shell of himself. I don't know how you do that coming from one year removed from, like, a career year. But my resolution for Julius Randle would be, like, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. Get it together. Stop talking. <laughs> yeah, stop. Like use your teammates once in a while. Like I don't. I don't really understand what's happening in New York right now. But I do not like it. This team last year had very low expectations going in. They obviously way ex- like over exceeded. So you know you're gonna have some expectations. You're in the garden. You know, Bing Bong comes out in the very first day of the season. It, everyone gets hyped up, and now you're twelfth. 11th in the conference? You're out of the play-in tournament? Ugh. This is not a good look for New York, guys. That's all I can really say. Yeah, they, they sort of jumped the gun, I think, in signing guys like Fournier. Um, I, I said from the start that was a bad contract because he's just not a guy that fits in a in a good team. Like, he's a guy that's he's okay as, like, a secondary ball handler, but he shouldn't be relied on to do that. And he doesn't really spot up enough to be a guy like, you know, even Bogdan, who you can rely on to be like a 40-plus percent shooter on wide-open shots. He's just very inconsistent. He plays no defense, and he signed him for $20 million a year. But going back to Randall for a second, um, the biggest thing with Randall, like even last year, you could see that his shooting was totally unsustainable, the types of shots he was <laughs> taking. Like he took an insane amount of off-the-dribble shots, especially going to his right, where he'd take yeah. like these one- to two-dribble pull-up shots, sort of like Mello back in the day. And he's not a mellow level shooter. And then you saw in the playoffs what happened when teams like really keyed in on him. And since that point, he's still playing the same way as he did. But teams are more locked in on him this year because the other guys around him just don't really fit. And they can really zone in on Randall and not really have to worry about guys like Kemba Walker and Fournier because they're just having bad years overall. And he's back to shooting, what is he at, like 42% from the field and like 20-something percent from three. And it also doesn't help how they play a center with him every single possession of every single game. Julius Randle is shooting 41%, 41 41.7% from the field and uh, 32.8% from the three. Pop quiz, who's shooting a better three-point percentage, Julius Randle or Russell Westbrook? I guess if you bring this up, it has to be Westbrook. Yeah, I'm going to go for the wow factor. Westbrook. Incredibly not. Russell Westbrook is shooting 30%. 30 what? 30. Oh, okay. There's a 38. Okay. I, was like, I heard 38. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Just 30. That was me clearing my throat. My bad. 30% from three. Incredible. Russell Westbrook continues to amaze us. I mean, the shooting worst percentage than Julius Randle. The funny thing is, I think if you look their at uh, their shot quality between those two guys, I think Westbrook's shot quality on threes would be better than Julius Randle's. Because like Russell Westbrook's <laughs> taking a lot of corner threes, like wide open shots. And he's taking open threes. Yeah, yeah like yeah. open, like yeah, gym shots. And Randle's doing like random pick and rolls with like Mitchell Robinson shooting off the dribble. It's <laughs> like that should not be your game, man. Yeah, I yeah. think. When you when you look back at Julius Randle's career, it's probably going to be last year was like an aberration on its own, right? Like this guy shot forty one percent from the three last year. Insanity, forty one percent is insane. But I think numbers wise, like uh, it's going to look 
like uh, career stat year and definitely was. But I still think Randall's a good player in the right role. The problem is his role is very specific. And like in New Orleans, in the Lakers, like he had that role. He's a really good player that plays closer to the rim within like 18 feet. If he's grabbing the ball and initiating the offense like around the perimeter, that's not a look like Josh mentioned for your team. And I think the problem with the Knicks and I, it, it's probably overstated it's understated in the media. I'm probably going to overstate it here, but the fact that they lost Derrick Rose as another player that can handle the ball and really kind of make the offense flow, even though Derrick Rose is like 10 years removed from his MVP year, I think that's probably one of the big uh, differences. And I think the Knicks need to establish some kind of pecking order of who should be initiating the offense. And the problem is Kemba had his moment in the season where he was out of the lineup, Rose got injured, and then who kind of swooped right in, it's obviously going to be your star player, your all-star in Randall, and that's not where you want him to be. Like You want him to be catching the ball 18 feet from the net, um, being able to pound his guy inside, get a good look, or being able to attack the double and then get the ball out of his hands, and you don't want him to run pick and rolls. Like That's not his game. Yeah, this Knicks team is very strange. Like It's gotten to the point where they're relying on guys like Quincy Grimes to, <laughs> to anchor the backcourt. You know what I mean? Like you said, like you said, Josh, you signed Evan Fournier to twenty mil a year. You're bringing Kemba Walker, you know, bringing the kid back home to New York, and in your rotation is a dude that no one's ever heard of named Quincy Grimes. I mean, he's a great shooter. I don't want to take it away from him. He's actually shooting the ball very well. But like, what the hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this makes no sense. Yeah, and for the Knicks. I think you would hope that R.J. Barrett would take another step this year, too. And uh, it just hasn't happened because they put two guys ahead of him in terms of, like, the ranking per ball handler, right? Like, you have both Kemba and Fournier handling the ball more than he has. And then when they've been out the last couple of games, he's put up some decent stat lines. But um, you would hope that he'd be the guy initiating the pick and rolls. Randall would be the guy rolling. Um, but the other thing that, you know, we haven't really got into is, again, Randall is playing with two centers Every single time he's on the floor, he never plays small ball, right? He's never the center in that lineup because Tom Thibodeau refuses to play, you know, modern basketball a lot of the time. And uh, <laughs> the Knicks need to find a way to get Miles Turner. I think if they did that, then you might see a little bit different of an offense where Randall can actually catch the ball on the move, which would be his, his best role, honestly, and be like, you know, obviously going back to like Draymond Green where he catches the ball on the roll and then makes a decision because Randall's a pretty good passer as long as he has space, but he's having to contend with not only his man, but whoever's in the paint because Mitchell Robinson stands in the dunker spot every single play. And if you don't have enough shooting around those guys, like, you know, elite shooting, like you have with like, you know, the Warriors, even like the Grizzlies this year, you're just not going to be able to create enough offense. Yeah. I mean, he's a, in the league, he's a good passer when he wants to be right. That's the that's the key issue, I think. It's just that he doesn't want to be a passer. They run it through him. They run the system through him. But, I mean, I've seen this guy pass up or, like, not make the easy pass at least four or five times a game. Right? Like, he'd rather step into, like, a step-back jade rather than making the, the open look to the corner, which is the issue at hand, right? Like, if you're not going to pass it to Alec Burks in the corner for an easy three, then, you know, why, like, why hold the ball like that? Why take your step back, your crowded step back? You're not DeMar DeRozan. You know, you got to know who you are. 
In a way, I uh, think the success of the Knicks last year has hurt them in the long run because they just got ahead of themselves. And last year should have been a development year. This year should have been RJ's year to be the you know lead ball handler, and you get like a guy at point guard who can just get him the ball and then space you know like Lonzo Ball essentially, like a guy that can get you into your offense. RJ handles the ball more. See what he can do. See what you have there because his extension is going to be coming up next year. And if he's sort of stuck in this scenario where he's an inefficient player who looks good at times, do you really want to be paying him 15 to $20 million a year? Just give him the ball and see what he can do. But at the same time, you're trying to win at the same time too, right? So it's tough. Like you have to choose a, a path forward and just stick with it. Last year was their bing bong year. It's looking that way. Like if I had to predict right now, I would say they're not going to make the playoffs or the playing game. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that prediction. They're sitting on 11th right now, about a game back from the Raptors who were in 10th. No playoff, or no play-in, eh? I think it really depends on if the Raptors are even allowed to play basketball anymore after uh, these Ontario government closures. Well, you have to look at the teams ahead of them too, right? Like Washington, Charlotte, Boston, and then Atlanta's behind them. Which of those teams do you think they're going to surpass? I think Atlanta passes them for sure. I think Toronto's better than them. Charlotte... I don't know, I'm on the fence about them because their defense is so bad. And then Washington, yep. they've been playing better without Dinwiddie. So maybe if he stays out, they'll be better. <laughs> Yo, Spencer Dinwiddie telling them to run the ball through him and then getting COVID is uh, it's pretty great for Bradley Beal. Yeah, Bradley Beal averaging double-digit assists in the past like three games is, is a hard FU to Spencer Dinwiddie, to say the least. Kuzma, too. Like Kuzma's been game. popping off lately. 36 Yo. points last night, yeah. Yep. All right, Josh, let's hit some stats corner real quick. So I have two things this week. Uh, the first one's like a mini trivia. So we've talked Ooh. about defense a lot this podcast, and now we're going to talk about the best defense in the NBA right now, which is the Golden State Warriors. Just quickly, can you name the five teams that had the best offensive efficiency games against Golden State this year. So which teams had the best offenses against Golden State when they played them? Interesting. Uh, Utah? Yep, Utah was number two at a 117 offensive rating. Wow. And they lost that game. Did you hear that? The Phoenix Suns? Yes, uh, Phoenix also at uh, number three at 114. And they also lost that game against Golden State. So two of the three top offensive games against Golden State where the team still lost because Golden State's just that good. Denver? Uh, Denver is not in the mix, no. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. There's two lower-level Western Conference teams and then one... The Sacramento Kings. No. They're too low level. They're a lottery. Oh, man. Sorry, say that again? They're two low level teams? Yeah, they're in the plane next. Minnesota. Yes, Minnesota number five at a 110 offensive yeah. uh, rating for that game. Yeah, Cat went off. Mm-hmm. Cat loves playing against Golden State. No big man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oof. I don't want to say the Spurs. Uh, the Spurs, yes, actually. Number four. What the hell? 111, and they won that game against Golden State. What? 
Was Steph not playing? What the hell? Nobody was playing. Steve Kerr was playing. <laughs> oh, the Raptors. That is correct. Raptors I knew number it. one. Also, Steph Curry played in that San Antonio game. He went 7 for 28 from the field. Oh, wow. DeJounte Murray with the clamps. That's right. But uh, I can guarantee you, Steph Curry and Draymond Green did not make the trip to Toronto for this game. <laughs> <That is laughs> yeah. <correct. laughs> what a big asterisk beside that one. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me run out uh, Jordan Poole. I don't even know if Jordan Poole played in that Kuminga? game. Kuminga? Yeah, just like Kuminga, <laughs> probably. Otto Porter Jr. Yeah, Kuminga had 26 points in that game. Showed out. I don't even think Damian Lee played. <laughs> I think Lee's been out for the past couple of weeks, to be honest. <laughs> but like that was like the C squad for the Golden State, man. No way. That was the San- that was the Santa Cruz Warriors that showed up pretty much. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um so my next stats corner is going to be the best pull up shooters in the NBA thus far this season on three pointers. So the best pull-up okay. three shooters in the NBA thus far that actually qualify for it. So we're not naming guys that are you know shot ten so far in the season. Yeah. So who are the best pull-up three-point shooters in the NBA so far this year in terms of percentage? Percentage-wise, percentage. Oh, percentage. Yes. Okay. Raj, you want to start this one? Oof. Pull-up threes. Steph. Steph is just outside the top five at number six at thirty-nine percent okay. off the dribble. It was an easy choice. <laughs> of course. Uh, KD. Durant is number 10 at 37%. Ooh, okay. How about Booker? Booker is number 3 at 40%. Previous seasons, yeah, I think he was at like 33, so he's really stepping wow. up this year. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Is John Morant in this? I mean, he's nah. obviously not missed in the last four games, but he is not on this list, no. Damn. Yo, Joe's been lighting it up from three, man. All-star starter, John Morant. He should be. Let's make it happen. He should be. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) So a couple of these guys have been really hot recently. I don't want to say Kyle Kuzma. (laughs) No, Kyle Kuzma's nowhere near this list. Uh, Yeah, he's like a 35%. Levine? Uh, Levine is in the top 10. He's number nine at 37%. Uh. Damn, I feel like we're missing uh, some really obvious guys. Van Vliet? No, Van Vliet is not in the top 10, not in the top 5. Oh, uh, Donovan. Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell? not in the top 5. I don't see him anywhere in this list, actually. Jesus. This guy's just a chucker, then? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty pretty accurate, yeah. Pull up threes. Hmm. Yeah, he's not even in the top... Wow. Top 40? (laughs) Like, the lowest level guy on this list is uh, De'Aaron Fox at 20%. And I don't see oh Donovan Mitchell anywhere on this list. He should qualify, too. He's, oh, there he is. 30, 35%. <laughs> okay, so he's, he's like a nice way to just overlook him. Yeah, right? <laughs> Okay. Hmm. Oh, uh, so stupid. Trey Young. Trey Young is number seven at 38%. What? So, so far you've hit one out of the five. <laughs> Jesus. Chris Paul. No, Chris Paul is not on this list. He is 21st at 34%. Okay, man. Let's start running through names here. Uh, 
Oh, is Desmond Bain on this list, Josh? Desmond Bain, number oh five, 39% on pull-up threes. Oh, yeah, that's what we should have known. Our number one player. <laughs> Yo, Desmond Bain is so jacked. He has that, like, giant football player release. Where, like, it looks so stiff as he's shooting it. Except he's, like, one of the best shooters in the league. The release is smooth, he- <laughs> Him and yeah. OG need to be on a team. Just, like, team big. <laughs> <laughs> team jacked. Eric Gordon, yeah. too. Yeah. No, he's team fat. Yeah, team, team Chubbs. Team yeah. he's, on um, team with t- he's on the team with THT. <laughs> yeah, team linebacker with PJ Tucker in there, too. <laughs> so you got right, uh, two right. Western Conference guys and a guy uh, from a team that we talked about already as one of our few teams that we talked about in this podcast who was hmm. shunned for a long, long time. Oh, the Carmel Anthony. No. We didn't talk. About, well, I guess we talked about the Lakers, but yeah, yeah, we did. This guy was exiled for a couple of weeks, and then he came back hot. Oh, Kemba! There you go, Kemba Walker, forty for a hundred on pull-up threes, forty percent, number four. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I guess those a couple of weeks off really helped, eh? Yeah, so. reset his mind. Man. Okay, so we're missing two guys. So one of these guys is one of the most janky shots in the league, but somehow it still goes in. He had a hot streak recently, too. East or west? Don't say. West. Cat? I said janky shot, no. not beautiful shot. Yo, Cat's got an ugly-ass release. No, he doesn't. I'm drawing blanks here. Western Conference, hot, janky release. Ooh. He's on a lottery team. Uh, Shay? Nope. I can't even think of it. Western Conference shitty all t- Oh, uh, Tyrese? Correct. Tyrese Halliburton, number wow. one. 45%, 37 of 83. Wow. Pretty good for a guy who shoots from the hip. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Shoots from the hip, indeed. And the last guy is having, I think, a career year in terms of shooting, anyway. He's a point guard on one of the best teams in the league. Hmm. Lonzo Ball. No. Drew? Nope. Good guess, though. Drew's been killing it. Patty? Nope. (laughs) Patty's up there somewhere. Um, Best team in the league... Western Conference. We we already said Steph, Chris Paul. Oh, um, Mike Conley. There you go. Mike Conley, 42%. Yeah. He's taking a lot of them, too. 53 of 126. Yeah, oh, wow. Okay. Wow, that was rough. Oh, that, that was, was rough. brutal, was, man. We got, we got a decent... We got a few of the top 10, but then we shit the bed. Yeah. Good stuff, Josh. That, that was a good stump. Please stump us. Congratulations on this one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anyways, guys, I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe on iTunes. You can actually rate on Spotify now, so that'll be nice if you can rate us those five stars. Leave those good comments. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace. Peace.